As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see. Welcome to Home Group. This is Thursday night, and I'm back here with Denise Renner and Maxine Miasnikov. Welcome to Home Group, guys. Thank you, Rick. Home Group, welcome. We're so excited to be with you tonight and to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, Denise, today a lot of churches seem to be afraid that if they move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they're going to chase people off. But you know what? The gifts of the Holy Spirit don't scare people. They attract people. I remember the first time I heard somebody speak in tongues. I had heard about speaking in tongues all my life, just like you had. And we were told that people who spoke in tongues were psychologically deranged. And I really believe that. And the first time I ever heard tongues, I heard it by accident. I walked in my Aunt Melita's house one day after school. I was in high school. And she was listening to an old reel-to-reel tape of Kenneth Hagin. I didn't have a clue who Kenneth Hagin was. Walked in. She was in another room. If she knew I was going to come into the house, I'm sure she would have turned it off. But suddenly, I heard him begin to speak in tongues. And I froze like a statue in her living room. I remember, I thought, oh my gosh, that is tongues. I am listening to tongues. I'd heard all my life that people who spoke in tongues were crazy. My Aunt Melita came around the corner And when she saw me standing there, her eyes were like this. She was so shocked that I was there and that little Ricky had been exposed. But you know what, Denise? It set a hook in my heart. Wow. I wanted to run to the Bible and find out what does the Bible really say about tongues. It attracted me. It did not scare me. I want to tell you one more thing. If you look at the ministry of Jesus, there's nothing new. The power of God always has two responses in people. They either run from or they run to. It's not anything new. Even Jesus had that. When Jesus cast the demons out of the demoniac of Gadara, you would think the whole neighborhood would have been so happy. Well, the man who was delivered ran to Jesus. The other people begged him to please leave. It terrified them. And so there's nothing new. People have different responses to the power of God. But let me ask you, did it scare you? The first time you saw a miracle or a healing or you heard prophecy, did it scare you or did it cause something in you to stand up and take note? I was like an antenna that finally found the signal it had been looking for all of my life. Something in me went ding, ding, ding. I want to know more about that. And churches are wrong for shutting down the gifts of the Spirit. Hey, Do you think God gave the gifts of the Spirit to scare people away? Of course not. God is in the business of attracting people. The gifts of the Spirit will bring people to the power of God. It will bring people to Jesus. Amen, Denise. Amen. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. He's just like Jesus. The, The gifts of the Spirit are love gifts. They're from the loving presence of our God. And if we don't receive them, we're not receiving part of who he is. I think people are afraid that things are going to get out of control. But, you know, God's a God of order. 
It's not going to get out of control. People might get out of control. That's just a fleshly reaction. God is never going to get out of control. God is a God that does things decently and in order, which we're going to cover in our home group next week. What does that mean, to do things decently and in order? Because it seems everybody has a different opinion about what's decent and in order. You know, if you grew up a Baptist, you have one view of what's decent and in order. But if you grew up in the Assemblies of God, which was pretty wild at one time, you have a different idea of what is decent and in order. If you grew up a Catholic, you definitely have a different idea about what is decent and in order. So we all come from different places. We all have different ideas. So we need to know what does the Bible mean when it says decently and in order. But that's next week. But anyway, all of that is in this series called Why We Need the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. It is 10 parts. It is life transforming. God wants you to become a channel that he pours his power and his gifts through. You need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Everybody around you needs the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You'll find out why when you hear this entire series and it comes with a study guide. It is just rich. And there's a book that goes with it by the same name. And the back of the book says, A Fresh Look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I told you last night, I'm going to tell you again, I'm a real logical kind of guy. I can't change that. That's just who I am. I'm not super emotional. I'm pretty factual. And so when I looked at this subject, I looked at it reasonably and logically, almost like a scientist. Why do we really need the gifts of the Holy Spirit? And when you extract what the New Testament says, and you're going to find out some of it today. It's very clear why we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Order yours today. And remember that if you need prayer, we want to pray for you. So let us know how to pray for you. But Denise and I are so glad you're with us tonight. And we're glad that Maxine Masnikov is with us. I'm thankful to be here. I'm excited. Pastor Rick, please teach us. All right. Well, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 1, 4. It's where we left off last night. Paul says, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God, which is given you by Christ Jesus. So let's review that word grace, the word charis. The word charis was a very ancient word used. Maxime, how was it used? Well, one of the meanings is grace, but uh, it was used to describe someone who, as people thought, was touched by God and got a special ability. Basically, it's a gift given to you by God. Now, today, there's a lot of people teaching on grace. And some of it's good, some of it's not. But you really can't understand grace unless you know where the word came from. It describes a supernatural touch of God that gives you abilities and changes you. It is an empowering touch. And when you receive grace, you're transformed. And I told you last night, and Denise, I think you liked it, that in the time of the New Testament... They even used it to describe somebody that was under a magic spell. The very word grace, the word charis, described a magic spell. When somebody had received a touch of the gods and suddenly they could do what they couldn't do and they could speak like they couldn't speak and they were just a transformed character, people would say, man, that guy is under a spell. He didn't used to be like that. He is under some kind of a spell. In Greek, it is the word grace. The word grace describes a person transformed. We're all supposed to be under the spell of God. And you know, sweetheart, you and I have a lot of friends that are very famous preachers and we know them personally. 
they in the natural would never do what they're doing. They're all under grace. Grace totally transforms you. It makes you different than you used to be, which is why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am, which really means by the grace of God, I'm not what I was. I am what I am because Keros, I have received this amazing touch. I've come under a spell and I am not what I used to be. It made me different. It gave me abilities. It gave me power like I never had before. And that's why he said it wasn't in vain. When the grace of God comes, it produces. There's always visible, tangible evidence when the grace of God is in manifestation. You don't have to wonder if a person has a touch of grace. You will see it. And in the case of the Corinthians, it manifested as spiritual gifts. It just flowed over, just like if you pour water from a pitcher into a cup and you just keep pouring and pouring, suddenly the water is going to go over the brim. It's going to cover the table. That's what happened to the Corinthians. They received so much grace, it just began to spill all over the place. And it manifested as spiritual gifts, which is what we read in verse 5. Look at it. That in everything you're enriched. What does enriched mean, Denise? It's from the word plesua. <laughs> it's the word plutidzo, but plutidzo. you did good. You tried. Well, and plutocrat. I got that part. Plutocrat's right. Somebody filthy, stinking rich. They were filthy, stinking rich. They struck it rich the day they met the Lord. And that grace just flowed into their life till they, are, they have so many spiritual riches they can't even tabulate the extent of their spiritual wealth. Oh, Denise, that's what God wants to do in us. But he says specifically they were rich in what? Utterance and in knowledge. knowledge. The word utterance, I told you last night, refers to utterance gifts. What is an utterance gift? An utterance gift would be tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy. An utterance gift is something spoken. It is a vocal gift. But Paul said they were also rich in knowledge, knowledge, which is revelatory gifts, knowing something supernatural. That would include prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, supernaturally knowing something, seeing something conveyed to you by God. And the church of Corinth was filthy, stinking, rich in vocal expressions and vocal manifestations tongues, interpretation, prophecy, revelatory gifts, prophecy, discerning of spirits, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. I'm telling you, those kind of gifts really jive the church. It is so exciting when these gifts are in manifestation. And I need to ask, what do spiritual gifts really do for the church? What do they do? Why do we need them? What do they do? How do they jive the church? Well, the answer is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 6. You know, Denise, most people do not connect these verses to the gifts of the Spirit. These verses are entirely about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 6. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. What does that mean, the testimony of Christ? Well, let me tell it to you like this. Many Christians today have a lot of head knowledge. Head knowledge. But there's a lot that they know in their head that they've never experienced. They know mentally that in the Gospels, Jesus cast out demons. 
but they've never seen that. They know mentally, intellectually, that in the Gospels, Jesus multiplied food, but they've never seen anything like that. They know mentally, intellectually, that in the Gospels, Jesus healed the sick, worked miracles, but they've never seen it. So it all remains in the area of the head. But the testimony of Jesus is that he is a miracle worker. He is a healer. He can do the phenomenal, the miraculous. Jesus can do it all. That is the testimony of Christ. But this verse says, because of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, what you know of him, everything you know about him in your head, suddenly it comes into manifestation. It is confirmed among you. The word confirmed is the Greek word bio, which means, are you ready for this? It means to authenticate, to make firm, sure, or steadfast. The word bio here translated confirmed was a legal term used to validate that a document was trustworthy and if found trustworthy, then it was established to be authentic. Listen, when the gifts of the Holy Spirit are in operation, they confirm, validate, authenticate, and establish the testimony of Jesus. Seeing the gifts of the Spirit in action causes what we believe about Jesus in the mental realm to enter the real realm where we have personal experience with Jesus. The gifts of the Holy Spirit give us supernatural confrontation that Jesus really is a healer. He is a prophet. He is a miracle worker. He is a teacher and everything else the Bible claims him to be. For example, for me and for Denise. When I read the Gospels about Jesus casting out demons, that's not a fairy tale to me. That's, I, I never think, I wonder what that was like. You know why I don't think that? Because I've seen it. I've cast out demons. I've seen demons speak. I've seen demons go. I've seen that. It has confirmed that element of Jesus to me. So when I read about it in the Gospels, I understand it like I'm there. I've seen it in action. I've seen miracles. We have seen amazing miracles. This week I found a series of photos that we took of a man who received a miracle years ago in our meeting, paralyzed from the waist down. And can you believe we photographed the whole thing, every sequence of that miracle? That man got up and walked, totally changed. I don't wonder what miracles are like. I've seen miracles. It brings to me the reality of Jesus in the Gospels. It's not a fairy tale to me. It's not. Jesus multiplying something? Denise and I have seen God multiply, 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 multiply things in our life. So who Jesus is as a multiplier? It's not a mystery to me. That testimony of Christ, it's been confirmed in my life. So when the gifts of the Holy Spirit are in operation, it brings us who Jesus is. Suddenly it all leaves the head realm and it, le and it enters the real realm. The gifts of the Holy Spirit bring Jesus to us. I just, I've been thinking about a miracle that happened to a woman last Friday night. And um, there was a word of knowledge that God was going to heal a skin. <clears throat> and she had a, a, a horrible, like a, 
allergic reaction on her skin and it was she said it was red and it was itching and the doctors couldn't do anything about it and so it through in this word of knowledge which is a gift of the holy spirit so it's his presence it's his power it's not the vessel who's saying anything it's the power of god and as, as that word was given that rash on her on her arm it just started going away and she showed it to me on sunday her arm and it was beautiful skin it was totally clear and and i thought about that rick and maxime i've i've thought about that that is a miracle that is the very presence of god he's a living god and that's his presence coming through the power of the Holy Spirit, absolutely changing this woman's arm. That is a manifestation. That is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Honey, I'm, I'm thinking about in my life. You remember, we, I was in New York City with, with a friend. And I had gone downstairs to buy a newspaper. <clears throat> And I was reading the newspaper before I even, even left the shop where I bought the newspaper. And the newspaper was open. I was reading it as I was walking and missed the steps coming out of that new shop. And I fell. I fell so hard. I don't even know how it's possible. I ended up way over in the middle of the lobby. How did I get there? I still don't know. And I broke my foot. I broke my foot. Oh, I remember that I thought, you know, I'm not going to give in to this. I'm going to be okay. It's not broken. So I crawled to the elevator. Crawled. The director of the hotel came. He was wondering if I was going to sue the hotel. Why would I sue them? It was my fault. Hit the button, went downstairs and crawled to the restaurant, pulled myself up into a chair to have breakfast I was hurting so bad, Denise, I couldn't eat. So I got back on my knees and crawled to the elevator. Crawled from the elevator to my room, which was the last room at the end of a very long hallway. It <laughs> <That> happens. <laughs> crawled into the bed. A broken foot. Suddenly... In my room walks the director of the hotel and all of his assistants and secretaries. You know what they asked me? We want to know, are you going to sue us? I said, thank you so much for asking about my foot. <laughs> they didn't care about my foot. They wanted to know if they were going to be sued. Took me in an ambulance to a hospital. And I ended up on crutches. And I had a meeting that night in Connecticut. The car came from Connecticut to pick me up. I could hardly get in the car. My foot was hurting so bad, but I'm telling you, I was scheduled to preach. I'm going to keep my word. I'm going to preach even if I have to do it on crutches. So they picked me up later. I was just saying, Jesus, please help. Lord, I can't put any pressure on this foot. The service is completely packed. I came in last. 
because I didn't want anybody to knock me down on my crutches. I didn't want anybody to bump into me. So when I came into the auditorium, I came from that side. Everybody's there. It's time for service. They all see Rick Renner swinging his body, walking on those crutches. Everybody saw it. I'm seated on the front row. Worship is going. It's time for me to preach. And I'm looking at the steps because that was a tall stage. It was. Ay, <laughs> And I'm thinking, how am I going to walk up those steps with my crutches? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, if you lay down those crutches and walk up those steps by yourself, you'll be healed. And I knew it was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but I thought, you know what? If I fall flat, I'm going to fall flat in front of this whole church. I kept thinking, am I going to do this? But I knew the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. So it was time for me to preach. I laid the crutches aside. I hobbled to those steps. You could feel the tension in the auditorium. People were like watching. What is he doing? He broke his foot. How's he going to do it? By the time I got to the top of those steps, my foot was completely healed. I jumped. I ran. Never had a problem again. Guess what it did? It brought to the entire church the testimony that the gift of healing is real. It did something for the church. Did it help me? Of course. Didn't just help me. Helped everybody. Helped everybody. Everybody saw something miraculous happen right in front of their eyes. It was indisputable. It brought the reality of Jesus right into that church. Isn't that amazing? I love it. But hey, there's something else in this verse. Look at 1.8, 1 Corinthians 1.8. He says, who shall confirm you unto the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. See that word end? The word end is the Greek word telos. The word telos can describe the conclusion of a thing, the very, very ultimate end of a thing. And the first thing it tells us is the gifts of the Holy Spirit did not pass away at the death of the apostles. They are to operate unto the end. Until the verse says That's that you great. may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. They are to work in the church until the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. But there's something else. The word in the Greek word tell us, Maxine, you know. It's also the word for ripeness, completion, and maturity, which means contrary to what we were taught, the gifts of the Holy Spirit don't make you silly. They make you ripe. They complete you. They bring you into a new level of maturity. Of course. If something just happened that causes you to understand Jesus better, hey, you just grew. Absolutely. If you no longer have to wonder what miracles were like because you just saw a miracle, your understanding of the scriptures just changed. Absolutely. If you don't have to question what was it like when Jesus cast out demons because you just saw one cast out, it brings to you a new level of understanding about Jesus. The gifts of the Holy Spirit confirm us, authenticate to us the testimony of Jesus unto the end. They're going to work in the church all the way to the end. And they bring to us a new level of understanding and maturity. And where the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not in operation, and I'm going to talk about this tomorrow night, where the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not in operation, Jesus is kind of a fairy tale. You read about it, but it's kind of a fairy tale. But we're going to talk about that tomorrow night. 
for a lot of Christians, what Jesus did in the Gospels is just a fairy tale because they've never seen anything like it. But when the Holy Spirit's gifts are moving, it's no longer a fairy tale. It leaves the mental realm and it enters the real realm. Let's pray. Father, we pray for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to operate in our lives mm -hmm. and in our churches. In Jesus' name, amen. Go to bed and sleep amen. well. We'll see mm -hmm. you tomorrow night. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.